You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. Unshakable bonds. And so um, God is just really uh, going to bless us in this series. I, we, hey, we closed out the Great Restoration and I believe the numbers will suggest that it was probably the greatest series that we have ever done. If we, amen, if we look at the amount of people who were touched, the amount of people who came and all of that, it was just incredible. One more big round of applause for all our moms. Come on. Amen. Today I want to share with you a story of a mom. Uh, comes out of Matthew's account. And this mom was very, very zealous for her children to have the best. How many of you moms ever went to a little league game and watched your child play, huh? How many referees still like you to come? (laughs) Mom always wants the best for her child, and um, that's how it is. And uh, Salome was no different. And so let's notice the scripture together, Matthew 20 and verses 20 through 24. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down, notice the posture, and asking something from him. Now that's a capital H, talking about Jesus. They came kneeling down, asking something. And this mother said, uh, he said to her, what do you wish? This is what Jesus says to their mom. Um, Jesus answered and said, can we back up one? I think... um, Okay, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now that's a pretty tall order, isn't it? That's a little bit over the top for even a mom to ask. But nonetheless, some of you moms don't mind going to the nth degree, nor did she mind. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking. Uh, And then he asked a question, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? And they just real quick and arbitrarily said, I mean, without any further ado, said, uh, we're able. They had no idea what they were getting into. And he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. What he said is, you are going to be partakers, and you're going to drink what I drink. You're going to die for the gospel. You're going to take part of my cup. He said, but you are going to be baptized with the same baptism that I am, a baptism by fire, if you will. And I'm not talking about just the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the, the trials. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. This is what Jesus said. He said, to, to put you here and there, that's really not up to me. But it is for those who is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, that's the other disciples, when they heard it, because these two guys was James and John, they were disciples, and the others heard it, and then you know when a mama comes and asks, well, can James and John sit one on the one hand and the other on the right hand, you know, one on the right, one on the left in your kingdom? You know the ten, they're going to get upset about that. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Now, the two brothers didn't ask, but Mama asked. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, that's what I want to just sort of delve in for the next four hours, but I won't. (laughs) 
Let me say the first Mother's Day was celebrated in the United States in 1908 when Anna Jarvis held a memorial in Grafton, West Virginia to show her mom appreciation and to appreciate the work that her mother had done as a peace activist for wounded soldiers on both sides of the Civil War. Moms have done some incredible things. As you watch the interview for Director of Operations, you, uh, you find that mom has to be well-versed in almost everything. Are you with me? From theology to sociology to, uh, I mean, just on and on and on it goes. One person wrote, said, here's what mom had to be knowledgeable about and teach us about. said, mom taught us about foresight by saying, make sure you have on clean underwear in case you're in an accident. And then she taught us about logic when she said, if you fall out of a tree and break your neck, don't come crying to me. And he said, mothers also taught us about maturity when they said, eat your vegetables or you'll never grow up. She taught us about religion. She said, you better pray that that stain comes out of this carpet. They taught us about time travel. She said, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to knock you in the middle of next week. She taught us about contradictions. Shut your mouth and eat your dinner. Mothers teach us about contortionalism. Uh, will you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? She taught us about perseverance. You're going to sit here until you eat every last piece of that broccoli. Or in my case, eggplant. I got old enough to say I ain't eating eggplant, and I'm not. <laughs> Are y'all with me? <laughs> Mothers teach us about genetics. You're just like your father. They teach us about weather. They go in that bedroom and say, this room looks like a tornado went through here. They teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I'll take you out. <laughs> of all the tasks that mom had before them, and, and it is many, I will tell you, no one has the hold on babies that moms have. Period. No one has a greater influence upon children as their mother. You wonder why a football player waves to the camera and says, Hi, Mom! He ain't saying, Hi, Dad. Are you with me? Um, Dad may have taught him how to play football, but Mom was his number one fan, regardless. That's why when the airliner's going down, the little black box that records all of the goings-on, the last words of a pilot seem to be, Mom, I love you. The ladies seem to be on the front lines of our family, giving unselfishly of themselves uh, and for their family. I read this scripture to you this morning to try to illustrate to you a mother's desire to see her children excel. And this is most often, and probably rightfully so, described with a negative connotation because who, after all, is going to be, you know, that... Uh, audacious, if you will, to just go and say, hey, can my boys sit on the right and the left of the master? 
Now, I mean, I've met a few, don't get me wrong, but uh, I mean, it seems kind of low for mom to kind of weasel her boy's way into the best seats. But again, she's motivated by love. She's wanting them to, to have the best in this life. She don't really realize that Jesus didn't come to overthrow Roman rule and set up his kingdom right now. She didn't get that. But she was sincere. And here's a few lessons, maybe five lessons, that we could come to understand more uh, about mom. Uh, if we look at this mother of James and John, Salome, um, about the how-tos and the what-tos and what-fors when we come to Christ. So I want you to notice with me this morning the links that she went to. I just kind of want to dissect that passage of Scripture, if I may. The first thing I want you to notice is the way in which she approached the Master. Here it is. Several lessons come to mind. She obviously wanted the best in life for her boys, without a doubt. So she made it a point to come to one they could see that they had the best. It amazes me. Can I just take a break for station identification right now? The lights are in my face, so I'm not singling anybody out. I just know there's a crowd of people out here. Here's a mom that didn't send her children to Jesus. She took them to Jesus. Here's a mom that didn't just dedicate them when they were babies and say, I hope y'all make it, and then I'll show up at church again when you graduate. No, she wanted them in the presence of the Lord. She wanted to make sure they did not just get introduced and then let go. She wanted to make sure that they had a connection with. So, uh, dads, you know, we, we seem to be, we do have the ultimate responsibility of being the priest of the home. That is the teaching and the training, the rearing of children in spiritual things. But mom's influence is immeasurable. I love all my children. Don't get me wrong. I love all of them. But if one of them gets hurt, in fact, a lot of them ain't got to be hurt. They call mom there. If Carly calls, I don't even need to answer the phone. Sometimes I see her name, I just hand the phone to kill it. Now, if Reagan calls, it's a different story. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, she brought her children to Jesus. This is po probably one of the most uh, positive lessons that we can learn is that she brought them, and this is how she approached the Lord. She didn't send them, but she brought them. And you've got to think about this. These boys weren't seven and eight years old. They were grown men. <laughs> they were grown. And yet she, and you know what we do when they get seven or eight, if they want to stay home, y'all just stay home. See how quiet it is? That's because I'm on target. Amen? If they got a sibling that's 12 or 13, they can stay home with We just let them stay home. That is a mistake. I'm telling you, it is a cardinal mistake. Bring them to the house of God. Well, they don't want to come. They don't have no choice. Because you're the parent. Amen, preacher. Preach on. So, you know... I think about this, that her kids are grown up. She brings herself, she brings her kids, and then she makes her request. She brought it all to him. The message is, you know, basically in response to Jesus, you come unto me. She brought him to the one that could make a difference in their life. And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to make a difference in the lives of your children, hey, it's important for them to get an education. It's important for them to be at the bus stop and to be at the schoolhouse and to be with their tutors. And they need that education. They're going to need it more and more and more. But I'm going to tell you this. They need to know the Bible. 
They need to know mama and daddy loves Jesus. Amen. Uh, then not only the approach that she took, but I want you to notice the attitude that mom took. Uh, the attitude towards Jesus. It's very interesting to watch children uh, and discover that they carry the same kind of attitude that the mom did. I tagged Carly in a post the other day. I saw it because, you know, Reagan's getting that age now. She's four years old, and she can give you that look. And I, I think it's kind of cute. And uh, I saw something... And it was a girl saying, I cannot really believe that my little girl has grown up with an attitude just like me. <laughs> Amen. Listen, it, Mom, if you're a negative person all the time, since they're around you three quarters of the time, they're going to be negative children. That's how it is. If you respond at, terribly to bad situations, they're going to model that and respond in the same way. So, you know, when a child blurts out something that they shouldn't have said and you get on to them in public, all they're doing is repeating what they heard you say in private. <laughs> That's right. So... But, but notice the attitude this mom, you see, don't come with a prideful, arrogant, or a negative attitude. Kids are going to pick up on that and they'll be prideful or they'll think they're better than everybody else. But if mom is humble and loving, guess what? They're going to model that and they're going to be humble and loving and kind. If mom kneels down and prays, then they're going to kneel down and pray. So... Let me go on. Um, the commentary, or one of the commentaries, uh, talks about, um, and the newer translations say that she bowed down. King James says she worshipped him. But here it is. Uh, bottom line, candidly, for all we may see that she did wrong. She'd done a lot of things wrong, but she taught her boys to do what many don't anymore, and that is to respect the Lord. Now, I'm talking respecting the Lord. We've got, right now, we're as children don't respect teachers. They don't respect policemen. They don't respect any authority whatsoever. And I'm telling you, it starts in the home. When the home breaks down and they're calling you by your first name and this and that and the other, and you don't demand any kind of respect, it bleeds over and they feel like they can talk to everybody that way. And the problem is it's going to get them killed or hurt. Are you with me? Say Amen. And I know we're in the deep south here, but we, we, I was brought up to say, yes, sir. And, those, and I'm not knocking those of you who don't. I'm just simply saying, um, to, she showed her boys to show respect. Um, if you teach them respect, guess what? They'll offer respect. And when they get older, they will demand that others respect you. And people will brag to you and say, you sure have some fine children. You know why? Because you taught them respect. I want you to notice, um, we, nowadays, there's so many that don't teach their children respect whatsoever. And do we really have an attitude that is uh, of ultimate respect for the Lord or for the church or for those in authority? Do we honor the Lord's presence? Do we honor His house? Is it a sacred place or do we just allow anything? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Mom and dad, you're the, it amazes me that, that we often expect the church to fix our child one day a week and we've had them all the other six. 
And you know what? The church is a great place to disciple those children, but it's got to be backed up in the home throughout the week. I want you to not only uh, notice the, the approach she came to Jesus with and the attitude that she... How many of you know attitude determines your altitude? This is the attitude of the airplane, and then the altitude is determined by the attitude. If you've got an attitude like this, you're going to crash. That's how it is. That's right. So turn the attitude of the plane just slightly nose up. And you'll be soaring. You'll be climbing. So not only the approach and the attitude that she had, but I want you to notice the appeal. Verse 21 talks of, uh, of, you know, it gives us several visuals that we need to take right here to heart. Notice when she comes to Jesus in the right way, in the right attitude, then he asks her and says, what is it that you want? I like that. When we come to Jesus, he just says, okay, why are you here? What do you want? What do you want? Now, I want you to understand something. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Deliverer, the sacrifice for our sin. But I want you to know He's concerned about what you want. Delight thyself in the Lord, He says, and I will give thee the desires of your heart. What He says is live for me. Delight yourself in me. Let me be your life, Paul says, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He said, if you'll do that, I'll give you the desires of your heart. But listen to me. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is omnipresent everywhere and every when. At the same, at the same time, all around this world right now, people are gathering for worship, and he's here, and he's there. Amen. Jehovah Shammah, the God that is there. Are you hearing me? So what I want you to understand is he knows what you want. He knows what you need. But he asks, what do you want? It suggests to us that he wants conversation with you and me. He knows what you need. He knows what you want. But how many times does a dad or a mom, we know full well what the children want, but we want them to hear, we want to hear them say it. Amen? So, uh, here's the point. He didn't have to ask uh, because he knew, but he wanted conversation. And, and, you know, perhaps this mother comes and she asks this uh, seemingly ridiculous uh, you know, request to give her boys kind of a leg up, if you will. Uh, maybe she thinks that, you know, if they get in this kind of position, you know, uh, when Dad goes, they'll be set. Or whatever it is. Uh, I, I believe it was love that motivated. I believe it was the love that was the impetus. But here's the deal. No matter what, when she come to the Lord, even though I think she come asking something a little over the top, at least she was honest. Huh. At least she was honest about what she wanted. She wasn't trying to hide it, wasn't trying to maneuver it, weasel it, scheme it. Just right out front said, I want my boys to set one on your right hand, one on your left hand. You know, wouldn't you rather somebody just come to you like that than try to snake around? Next thing I want you to know is not only the approach and the attitude and her appeal to him, but I want you to see the awareness, how aware she was about Jesus. Could it perhaps be for the first time that she realized what she really had asked? I want my boys to sit on the right hand and the left hand of the Lord. Maybe for the first time she caught a glimpse of when Jesus says, Can you drink of the cup I'm going to drink of? Can you really say that you want to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? 
See, there's a lot of people that will come and make a decision for Jesus. And there's a handful that will come and want to be a disciple for Jesus. A decision is an event on the timeline of life. But a disciple is someone who joins the rank on the pilgrimage and the journey, knowing that we are passing through this life. And I want to represent him all the way. It's different to make a decision than it is to make a disciple. But maybe she realized the cost, the real price, that she looked into the eyes of the Lord and said, Oh, wow, this is going to really cost me something. Yes. As the, the uh, video showed about mom, yeah, well, the pay is absolutely nothing. And the cost and the commitment is absolutely astronomical. I'll tell you something. The payment for this is a lifetime and eternity with the Lord. Are you with me? Say amen. Think about this conversation. You see, um, perhaps when Jesus asked this question, um, he says, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know how difficult this journey is going to be. And all of a sudden, Mama got quiet because Mama wasn't really sure that Mama was asking the best things now because... Now he's talking about dying. Uh, now he's talking about drinking of a bitter cup. Now he's talking about something that I might lose my boys. I'm not so sure I really want them to sit that close to you. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the second or third row will be all right. See, because when we start saying, uh, who wants to get near the Lord? Well, we all, who wants to die with the Lord? Well, I ain't so sure. See, the conversation, you see, when I close my eyes, I can picture this mom attempting to get this great position, and then all of a sudden, her amazement, she says, I'm not so sure I want them to be that close. You see, when Jesus turned to the boys and said, are you really up for this? Are you willing to drink of this cup and be baptized with this baptism? See, the position is not always as lofty as you think it is. I'm going to tell you something. I, 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 I never knew what being the senior pastor entailed. I can remember when I was the associate pastor, Forest Street Church of God, Valdosta, Georgia. I remember when I got the title and the position. Dad come down to see me. Mom, I showed him my office. I had a promised salary of $984 a month. That was in pledges. You know what? I can tell you what happens in pledges. Pledges don't always come in. Church agreed to make it to 1,200 so I didn't have to get a part-time job. I had two children. That's the kind of commitment level I'm talking about, and it is few and far between now. When you find somebody that says, I'm called of God, and I'm willing to do whatever, go wherever, sacrifice whatever for the call and the sake of the Lord. Well, I never, I, you know, I can remember, I thought to myself, I had a lot of answers. You know, for... You know, I was kind of, if he had to make some decisions that we needed to save face for him, he just told me about them, and I had to fire whoever got fired. <laughs> or had to say the hard words that somebody needed to hear, or something, we just sort of protected the anointing. Are you all with me? Say amen. But I can remember behind the scenes saying, you know what, if I was seen, bless George, I'd do this. And it didn't take me pastoring, but about six months. And I called Jesse Ogden, said, I owe you an apology. He said, what, what in the world? He said, you was a, a great associate pastor. I, I know, but I thought I knew things, and I don't know nothing. 
Please forgive me. And the old man, he, he don't worry about all that. Matter of fact, he come down and spoke for me. He's going to be with the Lord now. I'm simply saying, I, I, I did not realize that the commitment was as great as it is. Some people think of following Jesus as just about a decision, but it's not. It's about an encounter that will literally change you for life. Not just raising your hand today and say, well, I gave my heart to the Lord. That's great. If after giving your heart to the Lord, we can see signs and evidence of a change in your heart. Old things passing away. Behold, all things becoming new. Having a daily walk with the Lord. Having a daily fellowship with the Lord. Getting involved in the kingdom work. Amen. So what a legacy. To have a face-to-face meeting with the Lord of glory. And when you do that, I'm going to tell you something. You walk away changed. I'll never forget. It was my birthday. Me and Daddy was driving a long old Mercury car. I'm talking about one of the mafia kind of cars back in the day. And Charlie Fowler, he was an Assembly of God evangelist preaching revival at First Assembly over in Phoenix City, Alabama. And Daddy and Mama had got wind of this power-packed evangelist, and they were having this Holy Ghost hoedown church. And he had it dead set. We were going to be there. I didn't want to go. And, you know, I had things, you know, you're a teenager, you got things to do. I had turned 16, I think, or 15 or something. He had bought me a watch band or something like that. But I remember the car quit on the way home. We were over near Hilton Avenue. And uh, I thought to myself, well, praise God, we ain't got to go to church tonight. We pulled over and he gets out and said, we're going to go to church tonight if we push this car. I, I said, What? I'm not, I'm not thinking, I mean, I'm thinking the car broke down. God's answered prayer, right? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. It was in that place that night. We finally got the car started and got going. We went to the revival. I'll never forget. Charlie preached a message entitled, A Journey Through the Halls of Hell. Kelly and I sit there, our hands clutched together. I mean, they killed the lights. I'm talking about killed the lights, told the ushers to shut the doors. Nobody come in. Nobody came out. This was a scary place, man. So I'm talking about when the lights came on, people screamed and ran to the altar. I'm not kidding. I was right there with Kelly. I mean, we... And I, I count that as a turning point in my life. I look at that where many times I said, Lord, please. But it was right then and there, First Assembly in Phoenix City, Alabama, when I said, this is it. I was a junior in high school. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. And, I, and I didn't, you know, I, that was an encounter right there that changed the course of my life. And I thank God I had parents that, that they believed it that way. Man, it wasn't no you staying home. You be ready. We're going. Amen. Well, give the Lord praise. For me, it was an encounter with the Lord that changed forever my walk with Him. Um, being called to ministry in my early days, running from the Lord uh, in my early time of, you know, senior in high school, graduated, I've done something that I don't recommend. I'm talking about I took my wife to work as an insurance secretary, went and joined the Air Force. Didn't say a word. When she got off, I picked her up and I said, Honey, I joined the service today. You did what? Yes, ma'am, I joined the service today and I'll be leaving on such and such time. Don't do it that way. That was a long ride home. Are you with me? 
I'm not saying that's the way to do it. Now, God took my stupidity and my foolishness and worked it out. I will never forget. Um, you know, I, I left for boot camp. I'll never forget looking back. Daddy's standing there with his hand in a handkerchief at the Greyhound bus station. I'm headed to Atlanta for MEPS, and I'm crying. He's crying. When I get through at Lackland and get sent to Shepherd for school, when I'm leaving Shepherd, orders come down. All my buddies going to Germany. All my buddies going here and there in Japan and whatever. Daddy said, I'm praying that you go to Moody Air Force Base. Well, on my dream sheet, that was number eight. That's far down the list as it gets. Mine was like Charleston, Eglin, Tyndall, Patrick, Seymour Johnson, all these East Coast near the beach and all that. And I'll never forget when the first sergeant stands in formation that day and he's calling off order, Saints Michael David, Moody Air Force Base, Georgia. I said, oh, my Lord. Huh? <laughs> I get sent there my very first Sunday. Very first Sunday. I mean, we moved down there. And I, I just get the phone book and look up Church of God. That's all I knew. I go to the very first one and walk in, and guess what? Now, my pastor, Darrell Glass from Columbus, Georgia, that was the church I had left. The first person I saw when I walked through the door was Laura Glass. That was his mother. I said, this is a sign from the Lord. This is where I'm supposed to be. What's the chances? What's the possibility? What's the probability? Amen. A tremendous mother she was. And both of them gone on to be with the Lord now. But what I'm simply saying is being raised in that right home and having that approach to Jesus, that appeal to Jesus, that right attitude brought about that acceptance of the Lord and His will for my life. And moms, I want to tell you as you stand with me, all of you. You have a greater influence on your children than you could possibly know. Especially if you are a mom that's at home all day with your children. If you are a grandmother that's with those babies, let me tell you something. They might not say it, but I'm going to tell you. You walk on water in their eyes. I mean, if you ask little Heidi, she'll tell you there ain't nothing like mom. That's what she calls Kelly, mom. And um, you have the most awesome time and the, the most awesome influence over a young life because whatever you do is okay in their eyes. Whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, if you do it, it's okay because you're the role model. You're the one they're looking to. A mom or a grandmother that is sold out to Jesus and models to those children how to approach the Lord, how to come to Him, how to appeal to the Lord to pray, how to, to approach Him, how to appeal, how to come with the right attitude in humility. I'm telling you, it'll lead that child in their early days to the acceptance of the Lord that you serve, Mom. And that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate goal. But what if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What if you gain and win everybody else and lose your own children? Model for them. And it'll blow your mind what God will do. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.